Hello and welcome. Greetings from the Offensive Security Group here at Secure IT 360, coming at you with a new episode of the Cyber Threat Perspective. It is Friday, and so it's time for our week in review. Uh, for those of you that are new here, every week our offensive security team is basically combing through the interwebs of things to try to find stuff that we think is important for you to understand and learn about in the cyber world. And so, you know, we just want to present that to you and give you information that will make you a little bit more prepared for tomorrow uh, than you are today. So you've got Mr. Spencer or somebody, I actually don't know who he is, um, <laughs> and and then myself, Brad, from the offensive security group. So. Um, do you want to take it away, Mr. Mystery yeah. Man? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, can you find me on LinkedIn, right? I just uh, converted my LinkedIn over to a creator profile. So, I, I have all okay. these cool things now, apparently, that creators do. So, Neato. yeah. Yeah. Right. Follow, follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, if you like this, like Brad said, like, subscribe, all that good stuff uh, helps us reach more people um, and kind of share our passion with the world. So, yeah. Today, we're talking about password snooping supply chain and clop ransomware uh so the first kind of item on the list is password snooping and this is something that i think is super interesting as i bring this over here so something that's super interesting is threat actors adversaries they love credentials right an attacker gets on the network most of the time they're going to want to deploy ransomware or do some other things they need credentials to move laterally throughout the network right in order to do that, they need to get credentials. And one of the ways, the traditional favorite way to do that is to get them by abusing LSA or the local security authority. Uh, they abuse LSAS, the LSAS process, right? Uh, if you're familiar with kind of some of these offensive techniques, you can dump credentials from LSA, right? And from the LSAS process. Uh, so the reason this particular technique is interesting, we'll get into it in a second, is it's getting harder. Defender is getting really good at protecting LSAS. Uh, other EDR products are getting really good. Carbon Black, CrowdStrike, et cetera, are getting really good at protecting credentials and memory. So threat actors know that. So they're trying to come up with you unique ways or different ways to get those credentials. Now, this is one of those ways I think is super interesting. Uh, this is an approach that, or a technique that was first developed by Gregor's Torek. And I apologize if I say that name wrong, uh, who's a security researcher, uh, but he's developed this technique to essentially kind of get in the middle of the Windows logon process. So the kind of the TLDR of what's happening here is uh, a user provides their login credentials in something called WinLogon, and that runs a program that reads the registry, and it loads several DLLs that are referenced in the registry. So that the reason that is that's interesting is that you can modify the registry, you can modify those lists of DLLs, uh, and essentially kind of load your own DLL in that process. So when Windows is notifying the system that, hey, somebody's logging on, you can get into the middle of that process, and you can save those clear text credentials uh, to a file if you want, or do whatever you want with them. Uh, so that's why this is interesting. It kind of is before any of the, the, the cryptography happens, it gets the clear text credentials and it doesn't touch the LSA yet. It doesn't touch anything else. Um, so it's an interesting kind of technique. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the old 
methods of gathering credentials, like you said, they're kind of get, becoming less and less common. This is a new twist on an old technique. And um, I, I will say it is a little bit of a wake-up call, I think, for those of us who manage secure endpoints to say that uh, you know, just because you've done a good job on the front end of hardening that endpoint, um, that's not the end all be all. You know, in this case, we would hope that EDR style monitoring on these endpoints would pick up these registry changes or pick up the behavior or the malicious DLL. But again, you know, just part of a defense in depth strategy to catch yep. something like this. Yeah. And this technique, uh, as far back as I could find, was 2020, I think, was around when uh, this security researcher released this technique. Mm -hmm. And since then, uh, it's been relatively quiet. I think it, it, the article that's uh, that I have referenced in the in the show notes here uh, by Huntress, which is a really good article, by the way, super good, super detailed, but also high level. Uh, so really good article. But essentially, uh, this technique is really been the first time, according to Huntress and, and their team, it's the first time they've seen it kind of abused in the wild in this way. Mm -hmm. uh, so super interesting to see, but I think this might be a trend going forward, like you said, uh, because it's getting harder to attack those credentials in memory, attackers are going to find different ways to get those credentials, um, whether it's man in the middle or key logging or phishing, whatever, uh, they'll, they'll find a way uh, in you know, it'll be different from getting, you know, abusing LSAS. Mm -hmm. So is this something that, that you're going to roll into your internal pen testing methodology? I would love to. I mean, this is kind of gets into social engineering in a, in a little bit of a way because it relies on somebody logging in to sure. that machine. So if we incorporate some, uh, some red team aspects or some phishing or something like that, or if we just sit and wait, uh, this could be a component that you include on a pen test, definitely on a red team. Right. It's kind yeah. of reminds me of putting uh, something we've been doing for a while and pen testers have been doing a while, I should say, putting uh, files on network shares with a link to like the responder host. Right. Yeah. Like, those suspicious LNK files are and, yep. and stuff like that. Uh, so dropping those suspicious files on a network share and just waiting for, for people to come across them. Yeah, I like it. Kind of reminds me of that in a way where you're configuring something and you just got to sit and wait for something to happen. Yeah. Um, but definitely an interesting technique, nonetheless. Uh, I could see this being used on a on a on a larger scale pen test. So if you get like server level admin privileges and you want to elevate a little bit, you know, and you just kind of sprinkle mm -hmm. this thing all throughout the environment. Yeah. But you know, at some point, you're just creating a ton of work for yourself to clean up at the end of the pen test, and for what? Yeah. You know, there are other ways to accomplish the goal. So. Yeah, and it doesn't really take advantage of a vulnerability per se. It's just a feature in Windows. It's just the way the Windows works. Right. Thanks, so, Microsoft. Cool. Yeah, so thanks, Microsoft. <laughs> so I'd be, you know, thinking to myself, you know, what would be, uh, what's the, the remediation for this, right? Or how do we prevent this as defenders? Uh, yeah. While, you know, there's not necessarily a good way to, to prevent it. There's mm -hmm. ways to forensically identify it, like after the fact, but sure. also detect it. Uh, there is some things you can do to, to kind of help detect this. And they mention it in the article Article here. Uh, Elastic has a has a query that you can kind of emulate to, to detect this. And essentially you want to look or monitor for uh, manipulation to the network provider in the registry. 
that's mm-hmm. a good place to look. Uh, that's ultimately where these DLLs have to be manipulated is in the registry. So monitoring those sources would be a good way to to detect that. Yeah. Um, but it could be hard, right? It's not an easy thing to detect uh, or prevent for that matter. Yeah, it, it does look tough. There's no doubt. But one of the ways you can help too is, you know, restricting where admins log in, right? Yeah. Don't log in to, with domain admin on a regular user account, you know, or a regular user computer, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so defense and depth strategy really, really helps here. Understood. Cool. So the next one I think uh, was an interesting development uh, as a result of Black Hat and DEF CON. That was just... Uh, there were some great talks this year, by the way. There was. There was a lot of good stuff, a lot of good research. Did you see the John Deere uh, uh, hack? Somebody hacked a John Deere. Yes. Like, there's actually yeah. a really big story behind that. Maybe sometime we'll have to cover it, but there's like a whole bunch of drama and like stuff around John Deere. Uh, it mm-hmm. goes back to, I guess, farmers being able to like fix their own machinery and them and John yeah. Deere not wanting them to kind of what Apple tried to do with like fixing your own, your own Mac and stuff like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They, they got a lot of, uh, a lot of hate for intentionally configuring their equipment so that your average yep. Joe can't work on it, which is always a sad thing. Right. Yeah. So interesting story. We'll have to cover that sometime, but Definitely. in this case, uh, one of the, the cool talks uh, that came out of, uh, Black Hat and Defcon was uh, this Realtek SDK vulnerability. Now, a little bit of backstory on this uh, for those who aren't familiar. Realtek is a software development, co- or a, sorry, they're a microchip manufacturer, right? They make circuits, they make uh, firmware software for uh, integrated circuits, and they're commonly found in like audio codecs. Uh, in a lot of computer peripherals, have Realtek firmware, right? Uh, but also routers have Realtek software in them, Realtek firmware mm-hmm. and chips. So it's fairly common. Uh, Realtek's a, a fairly common uh, manufacturer. The issue here is that there's a vulnerability in Realtek's SDK, which is their their software library that all these things use, right? And the software is very common. Like I said, it's common in home and small business routers. It's common in, in audio codecs. Less so in enterprise environments, but still fairly common. Now, the vulnerability itself, I'll, I'll let Brad kind of talk a little bit more about you know why it's interesting, but Realtek has made patches available, but not all vendors have included them in their products. So they haven't really deployed those firmware patches yet to their products. Mm-hmm. And the reason we wanted to talk about this is it's just yet another example of how troubling supply chain can be, particularly with IoT devices and things like that. Um, so definitely an interesting thing. It's kind of something that's flown under the radar, but I think is pointing to a larger trend and, and a big impact kind of thing. Yeah, th- this thing is is fascinating, not necessarily because it's another IoT instance of a vulnerability, right? We, we see these so, so often now that we're almost, um, you know, numb to them. What makes this interesting is... Number one, it's undetectable from a defensive perspective, i.e. you can't go do a NESA scan on your device to determine if it's vulnerable to this particular attack. And so basically, you just don't know that you have this issue um, 
with it un- unless you just try to attack it or you do some low level reversing on the the IoT device itself. And so that piece is fascinating to me. Those are those these are relatively unusual in in this world. Um, but but the biggest thing of all, at least in my opinion, from all of this is uh, it just it just reillustrates how difficult this problem is and how prolific it is. And what I mean by this problem is upstream development that's out of your control, i.e., you know, supply chain, right? And also IoT and the combination of the two. A lot of these systems can't even be patched. They're just how they are forever. Uh, there's no disk. You know, the firmware is hard coded onto the board in a lot of cases. And so it's it's unbelievably difficult. This thing will be out there basically forever. Yeah. Uh, you know, there might be a few really super awesome vendors that get out there and do something about it, but it, it this isn't going anywhere. Yep. You know, real tech can't do anything about it because, you know, they, they can't go un build whatever was built with their SDK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so anyway, it's just super fascinating because, you know, there are a lot of these out there and, and these things, you know, real tech being as prolific as it is, this stuff's in like department of defense, the stuff's in, you know, highly secured air gapped environments. Like, I mean, dude, just where, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it other than, you know, do really extensive testing on your own of every individual thing that you buy, which nobody's going to do that. Right. It's impossible. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And there's cases of, you know, these IOT devices that had firmware upgrades or they come out, there's vulnerabilities for them and the manufacturers of them or, or the creators of the products are just essentially say, well, we're not going to update these products. So just get rid of them and buy the new ones. Right. Right. There's been cases where they just say they're not going to support those old vulnerable devices. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of interesting things with this, um, but definitely going to be a trend we see going forward. And the only way you fix this, in my opinion, right? Cause I'm, I'm sure everybody's going, well, why are you even talking about it? There's nothing we can do. It even says it in the title. There's not much you can do about this <laughs> is you have to push back against these vendors on the front end, right? During the procurement process, you need to be asking questions like, how do you guys provide updates to your products? What, what? you know, versions of SDKs do you use? Give me a manifest of the hardware components that you use and what testing you've done. And so in my previous life, that was part of my role was to coordinate with vendor management and and the procurement department to evaluate individual products that we were bringing on board and adding to our portfolio. We would evaluate them for security. And in most cases, it was asking for a pen test, right? When's the last time you guys did a pen test? And and I want to see that pen test show me the scope that includes the version of the product that I'm buying. And, uh, and you know, 25% of the time, it was like, I'm sorry, we haven't done that. And we're like, okay, so we're going to figure out how to get that done. Um, we have to, yeah. as consumers of these products, start asking hard questions of the vendors. And, and, if, and if, these, yep. if these vendors start losing really big contracts and really big sales because they don't have answers, the, the, the landscape will change, but we have to do that collectively as a cyber entity across all markets, which I don't know how yep. we coordinate that, but whatever. Yep. Well said. <laughs> all of that just blah. Well, well said. <laughs> well said. No. And, th- and that's what it is. Uh, I mean, until we as consumers and like you said, entities f- force these vendors to raise the bar, you know, it realistically won't change. It's not going to be 
there's no incentive for them to change otherwise, right? Yep. Agreed, 100%. Well, so the last story uh, is about Klopp ransomware. And this one uh, I thought was kind of interesting. Um, the Klopp ransomware gang hacked a water, uh, a UK water treatment facility or water supply company. Uh, they claimed that they hacked another company. <laughs> so <laughs> they actually hacked a completely different company Uh it was completely unrelated to the facility that they, they actually hacked. So the facility that they hacked was South Stafford, South Staffordshire. I couldn't say uh, it either. It took me three tries. Yeah. Then <laughs> uh, we should have had a guest on from like the UK or something, I guess. Right. Uh, the company that they claimed to hit was Thames. Thames is, is much larger, uh, mu- a much bigger kind of uh, water facility uh, organization than, than the previous one. And it's really kind of unclear whether they did this intentionally to stir up drama or what the reasoning was behind it, or if they just didn't realize they're in the wrong network. Uh, we kind of saw this a little bit with Colonial Pipeline, with the Colonial Pipeline attack. Like they weren't sure. really sure that they hit what they hit, and you know there was some issues with that or some speculation there. But in this case, uh, they stole like five terabytes of data from this organization. They shared the information on their dark website, and they posted a whole bunch of information. And it shows quite a bit of, you know, sense of information that they are leaking. Um, and there's some kind of takeaways for me from that that we'd like to discuss. Um, but one of the things that I thought w- was interesting is, you know, they said they could change the chemical composition of the water, but they said they weren't interested in causing harm to people. And that's kind of like, that's the ad old or the age old saying of ransomware gangs. It's like, we don't hack hospitals. We don't hack critical infrastructure. We don't want to hurt anybody. But, you know, here they are hacking this company and causing real damage to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but interesting case of kind of a mixed uh, attribution thing. And I thought it was interesting to, to talk about. Yeah. What do you do when you're the, the wrongly accused company, man, that's a tough place to be, right? Because, you know, you can't ever, you know, I, I I'll say this, just, you can't ever be a thousand percent sure that, that you're not hacked. That, that's yeah. a very hard lift, right? You're proving a negative and, 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 and IT infrastructure is so vast in most cases that, you know, you just don't know, right? Yeah. But, but I can't imagine the amount of hours and work that these guys put in at the wrongly accused utility only for all of their IT and, and IR and cyber folks come back and be like, I can't find anything. Like, and by the way, the documents that they're sharing, we don't even know where those came from, you know? And like, there had to just be this aha moment where they're just like, guys, this isn't us. Like, but, but leading up until that point had to be immensely stressful. Yeah. You know, we really need our cyber criminals to be accurate if they can. It's very helpful. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and until the information started getting released online and and people were kind of looking at it, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people started reporting on it. And in showing that there was actually documents and information that referenced a completely different company, you know, yeah. emails, names, things like that from completely different companies. Yeah. The research, the security research community was like, wait a minute, are, are these guys talking about the right company? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so ensues kind of the roasting of this ransomware <laughs> game and, and memes and, and all sorts of interesting of stuff. Course. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure what they would have to gain by, claiming it was another company when they actually uh, i think it, it was wasn't. a mistake it's it's the only thing that makes sense was like Oops, right we met yeah. that other guy 
which is puzzling to me how you can spend months and months in an environment and not know, you know, whose environment that is. Um, but here we are, this clop ransomware gang, prolific gang, uh, not really knowing which end is up, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't surprise me. You know, it, it shouldn't, shouldn't probably be surprising to anybody that they're humans like the rest of us. And they're, they're, they're going to have a couple of goofball moments. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I, that's a scary thing though that they that they were in there with access to the water controls. You know, that's happened to us a couple of times on pen tests and when we were doing critical infrastructure, where where we were, you know, just kind of hopping along and having a good time, and then suddenly we realize we're looking at the interface to something very dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, and we we of course stop yep. and call everybody and say, guys. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, and it you know I was I was watching a, a webcast uh, just the other day. And uh, it was it was by John Strand and, and the folks uh, over there, and uh, he, he were talking about kind of the war stories of pen testing. And you know, we've had these same situations where we will do a pen test, we'll get access to something, and the the company will be like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's that's fine, great, great. And then we keep going, we're getting further and further and further, and then you know, all of a sudden we get like a spreadsheet with passwords in it, or somebody's you know, yeah. uh, financial and, or the salaries, right. Of, of the employees at the organization. And then everything stops, right. It's like, hold the phone. Like you got what? Um, yeah. meanwhile, we're over here, like able to like t- turn the dials and like manipulate things. Sure. Um, but it goes back to, you know, what's important to the organization, uh, what's important to them and in their business and, and things like that. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting case. Uh, and definitely a lot of lessons learned here. We need to do a War Stories podcast because I, I have some awesome ones. I know you do too. Um, yeah. You and I have have joint tag teamed a couple of folks in the yeah. last year or so that I think make for great stories. Yep. Um, I th- yeah, we should do that sometime soon. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, folks, that's all we have for you today. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode or you got value from it, you know, the biggest thing you can do to help us out is share that with your, uh, your friends and your coworkers. You know, we want to get the word out and reach as many people as we can. So give us a rating on your favorite, uh, app, you know, like subscribe, follow all that jazz and, um, have a great weekend. 